When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday. Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, counting down the days to South Carolina versus Mississippi State as South Carolina looks to get back on the winning track. Um, SEC night game for the Gamecocks. Uh, we got plenty to get to. Coordinators, um, all three coordinators previewing Mississippi State and also talking, uh, looking back a little bit at the South Carolina-Georgia game. And uh, some other stuff I want to get to today, too, as well, Chris. Um, just the fact that this Mississippi State matchup for South Carolina, um, you know, has been a long time coming. Haven't played since 2016. It it truly feels that long ago as well. Like I I feel like that was forever ago. But also when I start thinking of these two teams, I really think of some memorable moments for South Carolina fans. So I want to get into that, and I want to get into the very unique. 3-3-5 defense and how these two programs, these two schools actually have some kind of interesting little connections over the years. Uh, but before we get into all that, I'm going to tell you about my friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Go check out clinthammond.com and uh, you can get the full rundown there. But the, the short version is, first of all, if you want to support Gamecock fans, Clint is that and more. Huge supporter of the Gamecocks, huge supporter of GC Live, and um, is the dude, basically. We talked on the show on 107.5 today about guys being dudes. Clint's a dude when it comes to the mortgage game, and uh, he's been doing it for a long time. He's helped me, helped my wife, helped some of my best friends. Uh, he can help you as well, so... If you're in the market for a house, give them a call, 803-771-6933. Chris, coordinators talking today. Let's let's see. Number one team not coming into town this week, Chris. South Carolina faced the number one team in the country last week. Every week stands on its own merit. You got to have the same prep each week. Chris Clark, you had notes last week. Did you take notes this week? Mental notes this week. Oh, no we physical had, notes. We had no time to write you gotta have the down. same preparation from week to week, Chris. Yep. I was inconsistent. So if this show is not a good one, maybe you thought last week's show was bad on my part. So who knows? Maybe last week was bad. This one will be good. Let me know. I'm sure everybody will let me know in the comments, actually, if, if I am good or no, probably not even if I'm good. If I'm bad, they'll let me know, which I appreciate. Uh, but yeah, I, I had, you know, Clayton White. Little shorter, Pete Limbo, long Pete Limbo as usual. You know, talk for a good while, and Dowell Loggins. So I guess let's start with Loggins, Wes. I guess you, that was your way of asking me maybe for a takeaway on Dowell Loggins. Yeah. And, what, what's your What's your mental note that is written <laughs> in your head with the biggest font? So I think that this was another Dowell Loggins. Um, presser 
that got a little bit more into the philosophical territory, which I, I really enjoyed actually. And he hit on something, Wes, that has been a big, big topic of conversation uh, over probably, well, the last few days, and that is freshman playing, right? Um, he talked about Nick Harbour. He talked about Elijah Caldwell. He talked about Tree, Trevon Ball. He, he threw in a mention of Marky Anderson, even though he can't play how good of a player he thinks he's going to be. And, and I thought did, Wes, a really good job of explaining it, right, in that guys can be ready he, he gave the analogy of, hey, if you asked Elijah Caldwell and Nick Carber to come up and draw on the board, what is this particular concept? And I'm paraphrasing here. They could draw it on the board. If you said, hey, how do you run four verticals in our offense? They could show you how to do it. But it's it's about more than that. It's about the nuances. It's about of you know going and doing it in pressure pack situations. It's about playing – when you go to this week, West Mississippi State, a defense is kind of unconventional, right? This three-three-five defense, Rocky Long, Joe Lee Dunn, shout out West today from from Dowell Loggins, and then Zach Arnett, who's carried over this unique defense. You're getting into that; it just becomes different, you know. And so, uh, I thought a really good explanation of that. And secondly, Wes, we'll, we'll probably unpack this one a little bit more. I thought a good explanation of the running back situation as well in terms of how playing time has been divvied up and why. Yeah, I, I want to, like I said, I want to unpack the three three five conversation. Great thing about a podcast is we can just nerd out on this if we want and go as deep as we want. Nobody can tell us to take a commercial break. Nobody can tell us to talk about something more big picture. I want to go into the three three five. I, I do have a little bit of beef, frankly, with Dow Loggins for even bringing up Joe Lee Dunn because I did, I, I did all this, um, all this. I mean, it wasn't like I sat around and did a two-hour <laughs> Colin Taylor spreadsheet, but I've been reading all morning about Rocky Long, about Joe Lee Dunn, about Charlie Strong, about the three-three-five defense, uh, where it originated, all this stuff, and. You know, I kind of had the Joe Lee Dunn reference in my pocket, ready to talk about that. And, uh, you know, maybe people have already been talking about it. I don't know. But, I, I you know, he, he kind of stole my thunder a little bit. And I got a feeling, you know, I can tell from the questions, I got a feeling our boy Colin Taylor is firing up a 335 article, uh, potentially as we speak, based on the the double questions to Dow Loggins about 335 defense. So, um We'll save that for the second half of the show, but I, I got, I got some content there too, Chris. I want to dive into it. Um, <laughs> I didn't get to talk to Preston Thorne. I actually wanted to talk to Preston on the phone. Preston played in a three-three-five defense at South Carolina. Very unique scheme, and it did very well for South Carolina for what it was when they were trying to get rolling. You know, around two thousand. So we'll we'll get into that later, but I, I also to to throw Dow Loggins some credit and obviously completely tongue-in-cheek about having beef with him, to throw in some credit, I felt like there was an awareness from him about what's being said, about what's being asked about the true freshman out there. Just kind of the the tone he took when talking about the freshman, saying, you know, look, guys, again, we're paraphrasing, um, we, we got to play the best 
players because our jobs are on the line. And that, that doesn't mean coaches are infallible. It doesn't mean they can't make a wrong decision. But you think they don't want the freshmen to be ready? I promise you they do. And they are trying to walk that line. This this was my takeaway. The freshmen are going to – these guys we're all talking about, the collective Gamecock space, they all got a chance to be really good. Like, that was apparent. I think Loggins even went as far as saying, like, some of our best players are our young guys. Like, some of our most talented players are our young guys, I think is probably the most accurate way to say it. But – there is a line that you're walking with every single guy about when is it time to go ahead and make that move and play them more. I, Chris, I'm convinced coaches just don't like to do that to freshmen against the number one team in the country at Georgia. Every year, the rotations get small when you're playing a top team early in the season and you're in the game. We saw that against North Carolina as well. Small rotation. I, I'm repeating myself here, but I I feel even more strongly about it after listening to Loggins talk. We're going to see the rotation get bigger and bigger. We're going to see the freshmen play more and more as this year progresses. I think you start to see a difference this week, honestly. But I, I think as we progress, we're going to see it more and more. And, and Loggins um, kind of spoke to that. Like, look, we we get it. We want them to be able to play as much as the rest of you is the way I took it. But it is a process, and we're three games into the season. Yeah, Loggins, uh, when he talks to the media, just a quick observation, he almost has kind of like Pete Limbo, a, a head coach type of uh, mentality um, when he talks because you can tell he he does make an effort to really answer questions whether it's uh, schematically, philosophically. Every now and then he will go into coach mode where he starts talking about 4i and shades and things like that that a lot of the people listening may be like, what What in the world is he talking about? But he does, you know, go philosophical in terms of, of the why and the what and the how of things. He kind of deep dives, you know, on the game, which I think is pretty cool. But you're, you're definitely right, man. I think he kind of latched onto the fact that this is something that people are wondering about, you know, whether it's the questions he've been asked or maybe you catch wind of it a little bit on social media and you're talking with your players and you're watching your players through the week. Um, it's, it was definitely, I, I thought, interesting. The the conversation, so let me go back. I was about to jump forward and I don't want to do that. As far as the freshmen, I think there are some guys that you can identify that I would say are probably going to have to play more, Wes. I think that's still a smaller number of the freshmen. We, we know the obvious ones, right? It's Tree Babalade, it's Trayvon Ball. You know, we'll probably see more Nick Harbour. Well, we see more of Tyshawn Russell. You know, I mean, that's one we're probably not talking about, especially with Juice Wells on the shelf. Will he be one of those freshmen that's able to jump into the rotation? Certainly Pup Howard, you know, is a guy that you have your eye on because, again, you can't enjoy against Georgia a game and against North Carolina, two out of the first three games, you've had your starting linebackers play tons of snaps, something that Shane Beamer called unsustainable. So there's a few guys that you can identify, Tree and Tro, Pup Howard. Those are probably the main ones that you feel like you're going to have to play. And have also, Tree and Tro have earned it, right? 
they've kind of risen up and gotten those jobs. There's some other guys that you feel like you're going to have to bring along. You're not going to throw them out there if you're not ready, but kind of the merger of those two. I think the question is who else steps up, you know, from an offensive defensive standpoint from this freshman class, because like you said, the, the playing time for some of these guys will expand, but you know, how, how big does that group get given that this team needs to improve in some areas and as Logan said, a lot of their best guys in terms of pure talent are freshmen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the obvious, you know, Harbor, Tyshawn Russell, you know, but at the same time, you're you're always in a battle with the people in front of you, right? And I I thought, frankly, and by the way, side note, did you notice the little comment there, Logan saying how nice it was to have juice in the get legitimately like a, a cl- as close to 100% of a Juice Wells as you've had this year, it felt yeah. like in the first drive how nice it was to have both those guys out there and, and opposite each other. You know, you have them, they're both outside guys. There's so much you can do offensively when teams, fr- frankly, they can't, they can't double them both. And if they do, if they go just too high, if they say man on the outside too high, that gives you such a better run box to run the football. So, you know, you could even tell with that there was no throwing the other guys under the bus. There was no negative towards the other guys. But Juice is just on another level. And, uh, you know, when you put him and Leggett together, those are two elite SEC guys. And so is there there a drop-off? Of of course there is. There's going to be. Um, Now, I I think after week one – you'd be saying one thing about the rest of those guys, and, and I'm more specifically talking about the outside wide receivers right now. I I almost, I see those as two completely different positions, to be honest with you. Like, there's slot receiver, then there's outside receivers. And I thought, though, Omega Blake, to me, game one, he looked like a, you know, a new guy trying to kind of figure it out. Game three, I'm saying, all right, this is a guy who's starting to find himself. So – the conversation of if you are a true freshman and you want to play more and the fans want to see you more, that conversation is not in a vacuum. You know, like you you got to beat out the guy in front of you as well. So as Omega Blake is emerging, does that affect the reps for a Nicholas Harbor, for a Tyshawn Russell? Of course, all those things are tied together. Um, now, Beamer himself said, hey, we got to get Harbor out there more. We got to get Tyshawn Russell out there more. So I, I think we will. I still think that will probably be, what's the word, like incremental. Like it, it yeah. kind of slowly builds, whereas I think Troy Ball, there, there's a real chance they they start him this week, I think. I, I and think he goes the distance, yeah. That's the move that's a little bit closer to kind of them just saying, you know what, you're ready for the moment. We're going to give you a shot to just go be the guy and play right guard. And so – as always, the, there are levels to these things. There are factors. There are all types of different things at, at play here. But ultimately, the other reality is the freshmen got to keep stacking days to like throw a cliche in there of of showing that they're ready, showing they can be trusted, and showing that they know the intricacies of what they're being asked to do, not just the, you know, this is the route I run. Yeah, I mean – and and so let's remember Wes how we tried to set the expectation 
for Nick Carver, you know, coming into this year. Less, I don't, I don't know if it worked fully, but let's try to set. We failed. We failed. It's our fault. Let's try to reset things now. So, and feel free to disagree with me. I don't think you will. I think we're on the same page on this. You know, Shane Beamer saying that, hey, we need to get Nicholas Harbor in there more, and he will. That does not mean he's going to play 40 snaps this weekend on Saturday. I mean, could he? Conceivably. But I, I don't think so, right? I just think that means we'll see him play, I, I like the word to use, incrementally a little bit more. A few more snaps here and there. Maybe you try to get him some more targets, right? The, the notion that he has not run a go route or something, some, stuff like that that's been floating around, is, is not accurate. It's a straw man. You know, people kind of just saying, well, he hasn't made a huge impact. It must be that they're not having him run go routes because one hasn't been thrown, right? Uh, but trying to find some ways to maybe force is a bad word, but look for him a little bit more when he is on the field. Maybe you see something like that. But I think it's important to just at least attempt to set those expectations of even though Beamer says this guy is going to play more for Nick Harbor specifically, that doesn't mean his snaps double or triple automatically on Saturday. For Tree, for Tro Ball, Tree's playing the whole game unless something happens, right? Tro Ball probably, I would think, starts. He may go the distance too, right? So, like you said, there's levels. There's some differences uh, in between those guys. Um. So, Chris, I, I think similar conversation, different directed at different players, but similar at running back, I think. I think we all watched Mario Anderson and watched how hard he runs, watched how he can kind of move the pile a little bit. And I think we all said, man, they maybe need to get that guy the ball more. And you go into this pass game, it was obviously not a throw game for South Carolina. Like they had, I think, seven carries to, to running backs. Some of that's RPO-based. Some of that's down and distance. Some of that is game flow, you know, how much time is left, score, all those things. You know, and, and I do – it felt to me like they were using Mario Anderson not just a little bit more, but using him a little bit more situationally for short yardage. Um, you know, they, they used Juju McDowell, frankly, in some short yardage stuff early on. And it felt like Mario Anderson was, was in there – First drive, he's in there down towards the goal line. And so you're seeing that role evolve. But um, he did confirm something you and I have talked about and speculated about, um, at least privately and maybe publicly on on here as well. But the fact that they tr they like what the carry-on joiner brings from a pass pro standpoint as well. And I, I thought he was very he being Dal Loggins was very eloquent even in sort of explaining like Joyner has the full picture of the offense. So they can put him in and feel like they can call anything, whether that's a pass, a run, play action, short yardage, outside. Um I'm kind of expanding from what he said, but my takeaway was when he's in the game, you're not limited on what you're doing as far as your play call, as far as your approach, whereas some of the other guys are still coming along and building that trust. So Mario Anderson, 
third and two when they know you might be running anyway, I very much think he is pro probably the best option for this team right this second. But when you're in third and ten, it, it's it's a different answer, I, I think. So they're in positions where they're having to throw anyway. We know that they're throwing more than they even want to right now. Loggins even admitted that. That That's part of the reason you're seeing the rotation you do at the running back position. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And look, you, you don't want to be in this position, right? You would rather have, you know, a full stable where everybody in the room has produced here at South Carolina for three years in all phases of the game. You know, but but that is not where you're at, and that is not the reality of the situation that Dowell Loggins finds himself in and, and walked into. Um, so in some regard, Wes, some of these things that we're talking about, some of these problems, quite frankly, if you're Shane Beamer and the, the coaching staff, these are things that you – this is why you go recruit, right? Um, but you do have to kind of, you know, to use a word that Beamer uses a lot, you got to maximize what you have on the roster. So – it's not always as simple like I've seen some just just play Braswell, right? Like he's the he's the fastest guy. He's probably got the most natural talent in that room. Just play him. And and sometimes you see this notion of it can't get any worse. It can. It it can, trust me. I mean, especially, you know, running back blows a pass protection and now Spencer Rattler's hurt, you know, or something that South Carolina has done a good job of, Wes, and all Gamecocks are now knocking on wood around them you know, taking care of the football, right? Th these are all considerations, and we do have to consider, I think I said this the other day, coaches are obviously fallible, right? M many of them, you know, some more than others. S but I, I do think we have to consider that they do see practice, you know, and they do, this isn't def even defending any particular decision, but oftentimes the data you know, they have a lot of it and they at least attempt to make the right decision. So a lot of times when we're talking about things, we, we hear a lot of things from inside the program, Wes, and we try to use those to color and contextualize what we're saying. But we don't have all the data. We don't get to watch practice film two hours from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Dow Loggins, as he noted, their jobs depend on it. So, you know, they've probably thought through all the scenarios as well. Again, doesn't mean that they'll make the quote-unquote right decision, um, but they are at least attempting to get there. So, you know, with Joyner, you got somebody where you know from a mental standpoint he's got it. Now, does has that equated to a good run game yet? No, it has not even equated to an average run game. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. It's not just DK. The off, Obviously, I mean, we've gone through the stats. He's got more yards after contact than actual yards. He's getting hit a lot early and often. And so finding ways to administer the offense where you're not showing your hand based on personnel, finding a way to administer the run game where you're coming up with some different things, you're tweaking the offensive line still. We're in, we're in week four, West, still trying to figure that out. Maybe they're closer to a solution. But all these things kind of go into the pot when, you know, you're thinking about the running back position. Yeah, and I, I think this may be the first week where – and this is speculation on my part, but just kind of reading the tea leaves too. I, I think you try to get five guys out there on the offensive line and just say, uh, and, and in my opinion, that includes Tree, obviously, at left tackle, and that includes Tro at right guard. And, um, you know, in my opinion, maybe just guy more at right tackle, 
and then the obvious Nick G at left guard and Vershawn Lee at center, and let those guys just go all play and try to build some uh, continuity with each other. Because as we're going to get to when I keep when I finally talk about this three three five thing that I've been teasing all show, you're going to have to be on the same page on the offensive line while facing a defensive scheme that you really truly do not see a ton of. You see little concepts that is based out of the three three five concept, but Mississippi State. They, they major in this thing. Like, this is what they do on defense, and I, I think that matters uh, as far as the context of this. Uh, and, and I would encourage y'all, we're not going to go through the entire press conference. I would encourage everyone to go listen to Dow Loggins. That will be – is it up on the YouTube page now, Chris? It's um, up. YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. It'll be on Gamecock Central Insiders Forum as well. Go listen to it. He had some good stuff on Spencer Rattler, too, just his growth – and his ability to sort of – I can't remember exactly how he said it. I think he said stare down the barrel, basically, and deliver the football knowing there's guys around you, knowing you're going to get hit, knowing that, hey, this is third and ten. They're going to pin their ears back, and uh, I'm probably getting hit. That That's not easy to do, to, to maintain your your mechanics as a passer – and deliver the football knowing you're going to get hit. So some good stuff from Loggins on that as well. Before we move forward, going to tell you about our friends at GameTime. Uh, go check out GameTime.co and download the GameTime app as well. We have all been in those frustrating moments where you're trying to find tickets. Maybe you uh, maybe it's sold out like the game against Mississippi State is on Saturday. Um, maybe it's a game that or a concert that's a long time from now. You need to go ahead and secure those tickets. GameTime is one of the fastest-growing ticket apps out there. And it is because they are obsessed, Chris, with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last-minute tickets. Now, I would encourage you not waiting until an hour after it starts. In today's college football world, the game will be over as fast as the new clock rules move the thing. But um, – if you're looking for tickets for this weekend, if there's a concert you want to go to, check out our friends at GameTime app, GameTime.co, um, because they have the GameTime guarantee. That essentially means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime is going to credit your account with 110% of the difference. For a limited time, you can download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code GameCox for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do Apply. Appreciate game time for being a sponsor here on GC Live. A shout out to our boy Wade. He said he is finally in the GC fam. You can subscribe. Dude, be like Wade. Just be like Wade. Subscribe to Gamecock Central. Uh, you appreciate you, Wade. Yeah, appreciate you, Wade. That uh, means a lot, man. You've uh, you've been on. We've Wade has been commenting on our show for a long time. He's one of our originals, I feel like. So, yes. Well, you, you were already in the fam, Wade, but welcome to the, the Gamecock Central subscriber fam <laughs> now as well. Hey, let's move this thing on to Clayton White. Obviously, some love for TJ Sanders from Clayton White. Um, some talk about did they change things? Did they not change things on defense from first to second half? Lots of respect for uh, Jaquavius Marks, the running back for Mississippi State. 
I feel like Clayton's always good for uh, providing a good scouting report and some respect for the opponent's best couple of players. That was interesting. Clayton always gives you a little bit less, maybe, than the offensive coordinators do. But some 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 stuff to take away, I thought, from Clayton White as well, Chris. Yeah, and Mark's man is is, is an excellent player, right? This, this whole thing is so fascinating with Mississippi State because the offense is a good bit different. You know, you go from the Mike Leach air raid to Kevin Barbe, who came over from App, App State, and it's a different type of offense. There's there's a lot to look at, actually, Wes. Formationally, they're going to see a good bit. You know, there's there's more running the football, I would say, that the offense is a little bit more run-based um, overall. And Will Rogers, man, who has put up huge numbers, put up huge numbers under the late Mike Leach, has, has not had the type of season I think originally anticipated, watching him uh, almost through that all the way, Wes, watching their game versus versus LSU and – Credit LSU, they had a lot to do with this, but he struggled in that game, right? But Marks is a guy they they still have Wes a lot of talent on this team, actually putting together the star power piece on Gamecock Central that Wade can now read and others. You know, you could go through and look and like, man, there's a lot of four star type dudes on this team. Jaquavius Marks is one of those guys, an Atlanta product. Um, he just set on Saturday, Wes, against LSU. I think the the school record for receptions, I don't know if that was by a running back, but 200 receptions, part of that playing in a leech offense, I'm sure. Point is, this is a very capable back. It's a big dude um, in terms of he's just bulky, you know, 5'10", 210. So he's he's built pretty powerfully in his lower body. He's got some speed. He's got vision. He can He's capable of breaking off some long runs, Wes. And Zach Arnett, the Mississippi State head coach pointed out these two teams actually have some similarities. One of them that you could easily point out is some unsteadiness on the offensive line. They have used some different combinations. They still seem to be trying to figure out who their best five are as well up front is Mississippi State. Yeah, man, and I I think um, I always go into a game, I try to dial in. What's your biggest concern? Where – Where's your biggest advantage? You know, and, and for South Carolina going into this game, I think your biggest concern, man, I, I I just point to Marks. Like, not that he can do it on his own. We all know you have to have some room. I But I, I don't care that they've had trouble on the offensive line. Like, I, I feel like Marks look, – look at the compliment that Clayton White paid him. He said, when I – was watching the SEC from afar. This is the guy I draw up when I'm thinking of an SEC running back. Like that that's one of the best compliments you can give a running back, I feel like, cuz that that's the guy that can do it all, you know. They have size, they have speed, they have toughness, they can make you miss. And um you know, this Mississippi State offense has kind of b- become that. And you know, I, I think it's interesting I, I try not to get too caught up in stats, but in stats, when you're playing in a game that you're that you're struggling, that you're losing, you know, Mississippi State ends up losing to LSU 41 to 14, trying to take away anything from how they split up run and pass and, and all that stuff probably doesn't tell you much of anything as far as what they want to be. But going to the game the week before where Mississippi State 
beats Arizona 31-24 in overtime, Chris. And, I mean, look, look at the difference here. Arizona threw the ball 47 times. Mississippi State threw the ball 17 times in this game. And this is a game that's that's tight, kind of, uh, you know, I guess I, I didn't watch this game, frankly. Um, somewhat back and forth, you know, Mississippi State takes the 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter. Arizona answers back. Um, it's 14 to seven at the half. Both teams score a touchdown in the third quarter. But point being, you're kind of within your offense, right? Like you're not having to throw to catch up. You don't have a huge lead to where you're just running out the clock. For them to throw the ball 17 times with, with Will Rogers, who is used to throwing the ball 45 times under Mike Leach, it is it is just – and it's crazy to me how different – this scheme is at least from the approach. Now, I, I'm sure they still have some of the pass game concepts that were staples under the air raid under Mike Leach. You don't just completely reinvent the wheel on that, but just in terms of how often you call run versus pass, it is a stark contrast from last year to this year. It is. And and Marks is a big part of that. You know, I think he just He's gone kind of undervalued, I think, nationally, Wes, because, A, you know, under Mike Leach, he was obviously catching the ball a good bit and not getting a ton of carries in the games. He only went over in the regular season, only had four games where he was over 10 carries. His high for the season was 16 carries. And, look, part of it is Mississippi State, they're moving the ball well under Mike Leach you know, it became kind of more difficult to stop the run just from a schematic standpoint. But this is a guy that, I mean, Wes, there were some games where he had, you know, six yards a carry, seven yards a carry. And then you look at what he's done this year in a new offense under Kevin Barbet, again, from App State. For game one, I know it wasn't great competition, but now he's 19 carries. He's got 6.7 yards a carry against Arizona, as you mentioned. He's got 24 carries. He's over 123 yards. He's 5.1 a carry. LSU, that game obviously wasn't close. Just hard to get a read on it, but he had a 52-yarder that set them up for their first score right before the half. So this is a guy that's got a lot of talent. They're obviously going to try to feature him. If anything, Wes, Mississippi State may be looking at this game, and quite frankly, they may be going, this is our type of game, right? This, This is a team that, um, you know, is probably going to have to pass the ball more against us based on what we've seen. Um, and this is a team that we can probably run the football on. And with Will Rogers struggling, keep in mind, Mike Wright, Vanderbilt transfer, more of a dual threat quarterback, more of a running option. If you insert him into the game, then you've got him and Marks. This is a game that's kind of right for like, you've got to play a lot better if you're South Carolina against the run um, or this could be the week that Mississippi State could get things turned around offensively. Well, here, here's what you don't want. And I think I'm going to save most of this thought for Friday's show because it could get long. Uh, but I'll, I'll give a little teaser. Here's what you don't want. Missouri game from last year. Missouri comes out. They say, 
We're just going to run the football. We're going to be patient. Even if we're even if we're in third and seven, we're still going to just run the football. We're not going to get our quarterback hit. We're not going to let you turn us over because we're not going to put the ball in danger. And we're just going to frustrate you. Now, I I think there's a different Spencer Rattler on the South Carolina sideline right now than there was then. And I think this is a game where South Carolina's offense can continue to be explosive and beat up Mississippi State through the air. But we we talk about the running clock. We talk about shorter games that, you know, take the air out of this crowd. That That's the game. That's the game flow that I'm worried about going into this one if I'm a South Carolina fan, to be completely honest. But we'll, we'll dive into all that in our final preview on Friday. Chris, Pete Limbo talking today as well. And as always, very honest, very um, – obviously funny as well, but even said, look, we're playing all these young guys on special teams, which we knew. He said, but we don't have young specialists. And these are the guys that have come back, that have returned. You know, he he frankly said, hey, we, we need a little more out of these guys. I, I thought it was a, a refreshing um, take from Limbo, while also pointing out that Mississippi State has one of the better kickoff returners that you're going to see as well. Yeah, and Mississippi State had a had a really nice kickoff return early against LSU, and I kind of jotted that down uh, mentally. I might have even put it on the old keyboard, Wes, into the computer that they had a, a nice kickoff return. Pete Limbo calling them rugged. Um, they, they have some veteran guys. They have some good players. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing Limbo is always going to be good for, man, of course, the entertainment, but – he is going to tell it like it is, and he's going to do it in a way where you don't walk away going, man, he threw his players under the bus. You're certainly not going to walk away saying, wow, he's sugarcoating things, right? And so I, I think – so Kai Kroger's been a topic of conversation among Gamecock fans, right? I, I've seen some different takes. Some of them have gone too far, frankly, Wes, for me, saying that he's regressed to, to not being a good punter or something like that. that that's a little too far. I will say he's been certainly inconsistent, and Limbo kind of went game by game, right? Just mentioning, hey, a couple of his better punts were against Georgia in those conditions. He said we didn't over, we haven't overall gotten what we need from him this year, and we know us that as good as Kai Kroger was last year, and everybody's going to think about the Clemson game, right, being the high watermark, as good of a performance as you're going to see in college athletics, certainly punting the football. It was tremendous, but the coaching staff wanted Kai Kroger to to be more consistent this offseason. Here, here are some metrics that can be improved, whether it's hang time, whether it's distance, um, <clears throat> just being a little bit more consistent. So far, it's been inconsistent, but again, it's three games. And in Kai Kroger, you don't have to imagine the fact that he's a good punter. We have seen it. It's not You're not projecting. You're not hoping. So – I think, yeah, they they do need more from Kroger. They do need more from the kickoff return unit. You know, that was um, – Shane Beamer talked about it, I think either on Saturday or Sunday, and Pete Limbo talked about it. They, th- they thought that they had a chance for a huge return against Georgia. You wouldn't have known it seeing it because they got stopped immediately, basically, and got a penalty, which ended up being a huge play in the game. 
but they had the right look, right? So there's some areas that you can tell he's still not incredibly happy with. Some of them, Wes, I think you can certainly correct. And if there's anybody that uh, you would go to bat for in terms of their ability to get him corrected, I think Limbo's one, and a guy like Kai Kroger, you know, is another one. Well, I, I thought it was interesting to hear Limbo say, look, we're uh, we're at times having to go back to our ABCs, um, you know, when we want to be on to our D, E, and F. And for them, that's – you can't really build in the next layer of trick plays and all the exciting things that fans love and all the sort of splash stuff without first taking care of your fundamentals. And that, that stuff's not as fun, not as exciting, um, doesn't get talked about in the media. But um, that, that's really, we've talked about this, that's why Limbo's special teams have been so good. It's not just the splash plays. And I, I think he will be fighting a battle, really for the rest of his college coaching coaching career, Chris, in that, you have more turnover on your roster than you ever have before. With transfer portal, young guys playing, new transfers playing, it's going to be a battle every year to get those guys ready. Now, the other teams, for the most part, are fighting that too. And I, I think if you're Carolina, you like your chances. You got the best in the business doing it. But um, in order to find those advantages, you know, it, it's going to be a battle every single year. And that, that's another area, though, we talk about the offensive line. Can they can just steadily get better as the year goes on? I got a feeling as more and more of these young guys get in the game at you know on special teams, they're gonna continue getting better as well. You look out there, dude. Some of the freshmen that everybody, you know, maybe not the ones their fans are asking about a ton, but one of them, Vakari Swain, he's playing on special teams. He's playing on a kickoff team. Zabari Sandy, uh, you know, somebody they're bringing along in the defensive backfield has played some nickel. He's on the kickoff coverage team. Uh, Maurice Brown, the second, he's playing on kickoff coverage team. So you've got some young guys who are, who are obviously out there having their opportunities to impact this team that are only going to get better as the year progresses, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I think setting the table going into this season, Wes, there was a lot of conversation about the special teams and how it's, you know, could continue to be an advantage for South Carolina this season. You had some uncertainty in many areas, right? With losing some guys offensively and defensively, returning some guys on offense and defense. And you knew going into this year, number one, you had Pete Limbo, so you like your chances. Number two, you had your kicking battery coming back in Kroger and, and Hunter Rogers as a snapper and then Mitch Sheeter as a kicker and your kickoff guy uh, all in one. But, one thing that we mentioned is, hey, don't discount losing, you know, Nate Atkins, Trey Kenyon, Darius Rush, uh, Josh Van. These things matter. And Xavier Leggett's been, dude, he's been as good as anybody I've seen as a punt gunner. I mean, his work as a gunner has been every bit as impressive to me. It doesn't show up as much. If you just run down and force a fair catch, everybody goes, okay, got fair caught the ball. But to see Xavier Leggett flying down there, basically forcing those those non-opportunities has been tremendous. So I do think we're seeing the impact of that a little bit, right? Especially when it comes to like kick return. They, they have not been good enough there. And I think some of the youth and some of the turnover and transition, even as good as Pete Limbo is, you know, those things do matter. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, Travis asking what I, I think is a valid question. With the injuries to wide receiver, should Leggett be taken off of kickoff return for Juju or, um, you know, Eddie Lewis? You know, that that's one of the things that Limbo called non-negotiable. But at the same time, Chris, I do think that's got to be at least a little bit of a conversation within the staff. You know, they talked about Leggett is a great kickoff coverage guy too, but they they didn't want to add that to his plate as well. Um, you know, he is as well conditioned of an athlete as you will ever see. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is crazy. Um, I, I did think on one of those returns this past Saturday, I thought Leggett did look like a guy who had been like in an SEC battle all game. You know, right. like it was kind of like all right, this guy's doing everything on one of those returns. Like, he didn't quite have his gear at that moment. So, I I think that depends on can one of those other guys show they're close to as good as Leggett in the kickoff return game. Because right now it feels like they think he is their best guy. And, you know, so, it, again, it's non-negotiable. If, if there's a distance between you and the next guy, um, that they're going to they're gonna play you. How – how different, how different does that game go, Chris, if South Carolina, instead of having a hold on that kickoff that uh, backed them up after Georgia has scored, and I'm not saying this, if y'all missed it, when Limbo was talking about it or Beamer was talking about it, we're not saying this as like some pie in the sky, well, what if they'd returned it for a touchdown? Um, they literally, as the ball was kicked off, were like, we have the right return called for where this ball is and thought it was an opportunity. And so what it forget even a kickoff return for touchdown. What if that's a return to the 50, as I think Limbo referenced as being a possibility, as opposed to backing you up to your own 10, it changes the entire complexion of everything. It does. And I mean, th those let, let me break it out again, Wes. Margin for error, low, very low, tiny and minuscule against a team like Georgia. And and so th that was one of those mistakes, again, in a game where you can ill afford those types of mistakes, you know, that happen, that, uh, that you know, really magnified things. One of those things you go back and look at and you're kicking yourself, right? He, and Wes, let, let's start, let's even throw out a return to the 50, get to the 25-yard line, you know, I mean, it, something like that that's just a, a normal, regular, in, almost inconsequential football play. As it turned out, it was a it was a very, very consequential football play. Let me yeah, uh, I, go ahead, Wes. I'm sorry. No, I'll, you go ahead, Chris. Yeah. So let me take a second before before you make your next point, Wes. Tell you a little bit about our buddy Trey Harrell, outstanding guy, auto accident attorney right here in the state of South Carolina. He's a great guy. Also a very, very helpful guy. Trey's very passionate from what I know and what have I have seen about helping people who are injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country, all over the state of South Carolina. He actually has a lot of tips on social media. Go give him a follow. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Here's his handle, at Trey Helps. Or you can visit his website at attorneyherald.com. If you've unfortunately been injured in an auto accident in the state of South Carolina, you're going to need an attorney who's going to fight for you 
who's going to fight to get you what you deserve. Make sure your rights are protected. Don't go at it alone. Find an attorney who helps. Remember that Trey Harrell helps. Again, that's Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or attorneyharrell.com. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. Yeah, appreciate Trey for sure. Also, uh, awesome to see him and his family in Charlotte. Um, with every other Gamecock fan, I felt like, in the country, taking over Charlotte as well. Um, appreciate Trey's support of the show. So, Chris, the three-three-five. This is a defense, I feel like if you're a South Carolina fan, should be very near and dear to your heart. And we saw South Carolina have quite a bit of success under Charlie Strong in the three-three-five um, at sort of the beginning of the 2000s. So when you when you had that run where South Carolina went from basically literally the worst team in the country to winning out outback bowls to sort of turning the entire program around under Lou Holtz, it was by, by using this three three five stack they call it. And so if you kind of Google and do a little bit of research on this thing, the Zach Arnett three three five is sort of a direct descendant of the Joe Lee Dunn. 335. And so 3-3-5 was pretty much like maybe maybe there's another coach out there that was also doing it. But if you look online, Joe Lee Dunn is sort of credited with inventing it. And so he ran it all over the place. And interestingly enough, Chris, I thought there would be some thread of crossover with Joe Lee Dunn and Charlie Strong. Uh, you know how you'll see like, oh, this coach was with this guy at that place. And I I couldn't find that thread. It was more that Charlie Strong was looking for something to be different. Um, he liked the production they got out of their nickel formation, their nickel personnel. They were doing some 335 stuff out of that in 1999. Um, and just said, Let, let's go to this as our base. Um, Jolie Dunn, though, late 80s. Early nineties, um, you know, he was a coach at South Carolina for for a stretch. He was actually a coach at Mississippi State for a stretch. Um, probably was the coach when Kimry threw the fade against them. And so Joe Lee Dunn gave the three three five to Rocky Long, who I believe Dow Loggins mentioned today as well. And so. Long runs the three three five at New Mexico State. New Mexico State starting linebacker Zach Arnett. So Zach Arnett plays in the three three five. There carries it over into his coaching career. Runs it as Mississippi State's defensive coordinator, and now is running the old three three five as Mississippi State's head coach at this point. And just to add an entire other layer to this, Mississippi State, at the time, defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, was, depending on who you asked, at least approached by Shane Beamer <laughs> to be his defensive coordinator when he took over at South Carolina. Arnett, of course, now the head coach at Mississippi State, um, following the untimely and uh, very sad passing of Mike Leach last year. So the three three five. I I used to love watching South Carolina play 
in this scheme. And now the Gamecocks are, are going to be on the other side of it on Saturday. They are, and it can, you know, it's going to cause some issues, Wes. I think uh, just from a discipline standpoint, you know, I've watching Mississippi State play LSU, they did not have, they did not put forth a very good performance. They got beat pretty handily in that game. But one thing that I did note was like, offensively, they're going to present a lot of different looks to you. Same thing defensively. And so I think that the conversations for really all three coordinators and head coach Shane Beamer this week, Wes, a lot of it's going to revolve around, you know, getting your eyes in the right place and being very disciplined. This this is going to be a test, especially for an offensive line that we all know. We're not. I promise we're not going to have a 10-minute discussion on the offensive line. But they, they've had their issues, and it's not just been physically. There have been some busts at times, too. You also think about, Wes, what we said earlier. Good chance you're going to have not one but two freshmen out there, probably in the starting lineup, if not certainly on the field at the same time. And so they give you a lot of different looks. There's blitzers coming from different places. They're going to dif- give you different games on the inside, which is something that Dowell Loggins talked about, you know, pick picking off you know, different guys on the on your offensive line trying to get their eyes in the wrong place, getting them to move at the wrong place, and then being able to get to your quarterback or blow up run plays. And even in a game they struggled against LSU and Wes, there were some negative plays created because of the havoc that they can create with their scheme up front. They also have good players, right? It's not just the scheme. This isn't a team that maybe you think of in terms of like Georgia right now and you look at the scoreline, the LSU game, maybe you're not that intimidated. They still got some talent on this team and they do have a defense that can hurt you, you know, because this scheme does kind of give you some some unique types of problems, a, a different type of challenge, as Dow Loggins said uh, earlier today. Yeah, and I, I think you look at it this is kind of an equalizer for teams at times, or it has been traditionally that don't have the, the stars that a Georgia does, you know, like uh, now there, there are some weaknesses like anything to it as well. And I think offense is kind of caught up to an extent to the three, three, five, you know, Charlie strong, who had so much success with it here at South Carolina kind of went away from it as his career progressed. So Um, You know, there are weaknesses, there are strengths to it, as with any scheme in football. But I think it's interesting. A a lot of schools, you'll hear, you know, oh, this is a three-man front or this is an odd front. Alabama under Saban, you know, that's a three-man front. But a lot of times that fourth rusher is it's kind of the same guy. Like it's three three defensive linemen and then that stand-up edge guy. and. Sometimes he's standing up, sometimes his hands in the ground. And really, I feel like I'm sure there's some nuanced differences, but really, as far as blocking it up, it's not that different than just a four-man front. With Mississippi State, they do run some four-man where that guy is lined up on the line of scrimmage. But a lot of this is your true, traditional, stacked 3-3-5. For those who are like, what in the world are y'all talking about? Uh, you have three defensive linemen, three linebackers, five defensive backs. A lot of times, the fifth defensive back is kind, of, or the nickelback is kind of like a spur hybrid type guy. And so here's the thing: most defensive calls, your base defensive calls, you're bringing four rushers. 
So, yes, yeah, sometimes you bring five, sometimes you bring six, other times you bring three. But a very base call, for the most part, if I'm in a four-two-five, I I know which four are coming, right? With Mississippi State, even in their base three-three-five with four guys rushing, you don't know which of the three are coming and wh- and from where they're coming from. So you know, I, I think that creates some different angles. It creates some different opportunities for basically stunts that are built into the scheme of this defense. Now, the negative for Mississippi State, the weakness is, you know, when you when whenever you try to overload teams and, hey, we're going to bring everybody from this spot, you are kind of playing a percentages game. You're guessing to an extent. And sometimes you're in a situation, Chris, where I think it, offensively you got to be very smart to go against your tendencies because – you're going to give up some negative plays against these guys, but I think there's also going to be the opportunity for some big plays against a defense like this. Yeah, I think there are. And one thing I noticed, LSU, West, they were able to, you know, they hit some runs at times, but in the passing game, there were a good many openings in this defense. Um, some of those were quick perimeter throws, which we know South Carolina has utilized a good bit. It, it, it can be a strength, Wes, if South Carolina makes it a strength, right? That, that's an area they could take advantage to kind of neutralize some of that potential pressure up front, getting the ball out quickly, but it depends on the blocking, right? It depends on the throw. It depends on uh, your ability to make a guy miss one-on-one on the perimeter if you got the ball out there to Xavier Leggett, Omega Blake, Marion Brown, whoever it may be. Um, and I also noticed there were some opportunities up top, uh, when, when LSU was able to protect Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors had a field day. He had a few very long catches, a couple of them for a touchdown and man coverage. Mississippi State will mix it up with some zone and some man. So this is another game where I think Spencer Rattler's experience and the strides he's made in the offseason could end up being a difference for South Carolina because being able to navigate those pressures being able to stand in there. I mean, Dowell Loggins, to go back to him, pointed it out earlier. You mentioned it, Wes. Standing in there against Georgia where you've got big, fast humans flashing all around you, knowing you're going to get hit, knowing you're under pressure, but standing in there, not bailing, and being able to deliver the football, there are going to be some of those instances on Saturday, I think. And so um, this is another – I mean, we're going to say this every week. But this is another game where Spencer Rattler, you know, can make a huge difference for this team. Yeah, and I will say this, man, to add on to that. I if if Jaquavius Marks is like the key player for Mississippi State, um, I, I did a Mississippi State radio show this morning and they were asking me like, what's the key from a South Carolina standpoint? It it's gonna be seven almost every week at this point. But I think again, one hundred percent it holds true this week as well. Uh, Rattler's going to have to play well. There will be times, man, where I think they will. Maybe they fool you. Sometimes it's going to be important just to live to play another down, too. You know, like you don't – if it's not there, you don't have to force it, even if that means taking a sack at times. This is not a game where you're going to have to play perfect to win. I don't think Rattler has to throw for 400 yards for them to win this game. Uh, So sometimes there may be times where they get you and the wrong call from your perspective, a great call from their perspective, I think it, there are going to be times where he's going to have to just not force it and say, 
hey, I'll even take my sack if it means I'm not turning the football over um, because they're going to throw a lot of different things at you. You hear defensive coordinators talk about like fire zone blitzes, uh, which is where you bring different four guys. When you're in the four-two-five, that means you're having to drop one of those defensive linemen, one of those edge guys into coverage where they're not necessarily that comfortable. Three-three-five allows you to do that by dropping different linebackers back and blitzing different linebackers. So th- there really is some some versatility to this scheme, I think. Like I can see why it is called on. I think for a place like Mississippi State, it makes a lot of sense because I don't know if you're ever going to quite have the dudes that you have throughout the rest of the conference. And I think one thing that's hurting them right now, though, Chris, overall, we're about out of time here. We'll dive into it with our final show on Friday, working on a guest for that as well. I think they really had something going in that you had – a unique 3-3-5 defensive scheme from Zach Arnett, and you had a unique air raid. It's not that unique anymore, but you had the dude, you had the guy running it in Mike Leach um, before. So you had unique offense and unique defense, um, which made, I'm sure, the Mississippi State scout pretty difficult on opponents. Yeah, definitely. A, a unique, uh, man, Mike Leach, just a one-of-a-kind individual, right? But, yeah, I mean, definitely carved out kind of, you know, a different kind of niche, right, and, and offensively and defensively. And, obviously, they had a lot of success to it. I, I think we all probably, Wes, anticipated, you know, maybe a little bit surprising that they went away from the air raid. Probably anticipated there would be some growing pains for them offensively. It certainly appears that it's been that way. Um, can South Carolina, you know, take advantage um, of some of the questions that Mississippi State has? That's something that I know we'll continue to dive into throughout the rest of this week. Um, All right, y'all. Appreciate you joining. We're about out of time here. Uh, Before we get out of here, Chris, you want to tell them about the lack of taxiety in your life? I have none. I I can't even speak about any taxiety. Our friends at Liberty Tax, Larry, does an outstanding job. He's been at it a while, super knowledgeable. Every type of tax scenario that you can conjure up, he's seen it. I guarantee it. Uh, Give him a call, 803-462-5576. He's met with me. He's met with my wife. Uh, We've handled some business together with him, and he does an outstanding job. We have no tax ID because we've got a plan in place for next year. Uh, there have been there's some changes, actually, you know, in the tax code every year. There are some new things in our state in South Carolina that honestly I wasn't even aware of. Larry helped me out with that. Make sure you're getting your taxes done the right way. It makes a big, big difference. Trust me. No tax society with the team at Liberty Tax. Yeah, appreciate them. Appreciate all our sponsors. Appreciate all of you for listening, for viewing, however you watch or listen to the show. Um, all the podcast platforms hit subscribe. And, uh, hey, thanks to y'all for helping us hit 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, let's let's hit 20,000. Let's, let's keep going. Appreciate y'all. Uh, Mike will be back on for Thursday's show at 2 o'clock, and then Chris and I will be back Friday. GC Live, final preview, South Carolina, Mississippi State. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you then.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.